Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. very thankful to be in the church house today and to feel the presence of the Lord and we're here for a purpose and I'm thankful for the very season that we are celebrating today and uh, very very honored to know the Lord is more than a baby in a manger but I'm thankful that he's a savior in my heart and my home and my life and the guiding force of our future. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. We're going to pray over the word of the Lord. I'm not going to take very long today, but I just want to share a couple of things that's on my heart as it pertains to uh, where we are today. And let's just ask God to touch his word. Would you do that? Lord, we love you so very much. We're eternally grateful for your word that is forever settled. And I'm asking you today to let the anointing and the authority of the Holy Ghost touch all of us together. This is a special day. I'm very, very thankful to be a part of a nation, a part of a country, Lord, that will pause and give uh, give uh, recognition and honor to where it is due. We're asking you today to strengthen us by your grace in your name. Amen. You can be seated if you would like. The book of, uh, the book of Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, share with us the epic story of an angel that came an angel by the name of Gabriel that came and visited with uh, Mary. He didn't just come for a casual visit, but he came with a very poignant prophecy concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to um, take just a little while to consider the submission that Mary displayed from this very moment of encounter forward. And uh, I understand that uh, we're talking about as a nation today, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that he was born in a manger. I'm very thankful for that. But I'm thankful for the role that Mary played in this life. And and so sometimes we give her quite a, a bit of acknowledgement up to the birth of Christ, things of that nature. But uh, today I just want to talk to you Uh, My subject this morning is going to be this, the price and the promise of submission. The price and the promise of submission. And uh, I believe that Mary is certainly a hero at the center of this story, and I want to just focus on her for a moment. I don't use the word hero, certainly in this setting, loosely, because I believe that heroes are uh, men and women who have both excelled and manifest character in which it causes others around them to want to emulate. And uh, they sometimes, heroes, real heroes, uh, are people that quietly accomplish many things. And they do that without seeking notoriety. They're not doing this for something in return. 
They're simply doing what's right because it's the right thing. And uh, Mary was just a maiden, but she was highly favored of God. I, I, I wouldn't have any idea how many times through the years of pastoring I've had people say to me, but I, I can't do this or I couldn't do that because I'm just this or I'm just that. Well, I think that Mary in her life kind of quietens uh, some of our debate when it comes to that uh, because she was just a maiden, just a simple maiden, but she was highly favored of the Lord, highly used of God. She was a godly Hebrew girl with a reputation uh, that was about to be sacrificed. Her Everything she had lived for and everything she had stood for and everything she had represented up to this moment in her life was about to be sacrificed in order to fulfill the Isaiah of prophet, the, the prophecy rather of Isaiah. It was a prophecy that said that w- there would be a sinless savior to the world. She was a young lady full of grace, but I also feel that she was an un- a young lady full of holy boldness because the scripture says in Luke 138, and we'll read it a little bit more detail in just a moment, but when Gabriel began, or when Gabriel completed his mission by telling her what she was going to do, her response, this simple young maiden's response was this, be it unto me according to thy word. Just let it be. If that's what's gonna happen, then just let it happen. And she had received some pretty astounding news and it was gonna be news she would have to live with for a long, long time. She bore a child unlike any before her and then raised him just like anyone else. She led him to the work for which he was born and then ultimately she followed him up a hill for which he was born. She watched him with a spear in his side. She mourned at the closed tomb. Three days later, she celebrated at the empty tomb She watched Jesus disappear into the clouds at his ascension and then rejoiced at his return in a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire. Mary was present, just like most mothers, present and counted for at every significant event in the life of Jesus. She was not just there in the end. She was not just there at the manger. She was not just there for one or two points, but she was there for it all. She set the bar very, very high for servanthood. And so with the help of the Lord and with your cooperation today, I wanna just trace her life quickly and let's look at the price and the promise that came as an end result of Mary's absolute submission to the will of God. You see, it is in man's inherent nature to have a compulsion to self-rule. It is just in us. We are born with a very, very strong um, mind to do our own thing, self-government. Each of us from the earliest days of our life must repeatedly learn the art of submission. And it is an art. It is not easy always to submit. And you may not wanna get up and run around right now, but that's still the truth. It's not always easy to submit. Amen, it simply doesn't come naturally. So because it doesn't come naturally, it doesn't come easily. And so we have to understand that when God gives an instruction, it is incumbent upon me to obey that instruction because submission forfeits the right to demand a certain outcome. The Lord just says, I want you to do this. And sometimes in our mind, we already predetermine what the outcome should be. 
but true submission doesn't determine the outcome and says, Lord, if you want me to stop and do this or speak to somebody in this aisle or say something to someone, sometimes we think some big deal is gonna follow that. Doesn't always happen that way. We just have to submit ourselves to the, to the Lord. I'll just say it from a pastor's point of view, say it from a preacher's point of view, that I have felt many, many times that the Lord had given me a message. And so in my mind, in my heart, I'm just confessing here today, that uh, the Lord had given me a message to preach and so in my mind I kind of kind of uh, think about what the end result of that is gonna be and you kind of figure out how that's gonna probably go over and many times it hasn't gone over that way at all. Cause in my notes where I had there that we should pause while you all shouted. <laughs> Give them just a few minutes to calm down right here. You weren't, you didn't need to be calmed at all. <laughs> And so if we're not careful, we, we can think we come up with those intended or what we feel like will be outcomes. And so to, total submission is not to go home and think, well, where did I mess up or where did I blow it? Total submission is to say, you know what? Lord, you gave me a word to say. I submitted that to, to you, my will to your will set, and it's in, it's in somebody else's hand. The responsibility now has, is off of my shoulder, so to speak. But, but we're all guilty of that, aren't we, to a degree? But Mary willingly submitted to the Lord her, for her life in spite of the fact that it was gonna result in tarnishing her reputation. Uh, there, I would say this, there have been few people that have been asked to pay the price that Mary paid, that is for sure. She was a maiden living in the city of Nazareth at the time. She, was, uh, she grew up there. She was a mature young woman. She apparently was, I believe, an example of godliness because I believe it was her godliness that attracted heaven's attention. She was about to realize the joy of most young ladies and, and, that, was to be in, and that was to be married and she was a spouse or engaged in our terminology. But in biblical days, to be a, a spouse was... Uh, was a little bit more, there was a lot more binding than uh, an engagement in our culture today. And so she was waiting for her wedding day and the angel informed her that God had noticed her purity, that God had recognized something in her. And then in Luke 1 and 28, the Bible says, the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Mary's immediate reaction was not one of pride. She didn't get all swelled up over this angelic visitation and this heavenly announcement, but the Bible uses the word troubled, that she was troubled by this. Gabriel informed her that she had no need to be fearful or no need to be, to be troubled because she had found favor with God. That favor marked her because she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. The angel went on now to utter these prophetic utterances in Luke 1, 31 and 33. The Bible says, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and, his, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mary's life is never going to be the same. She was minding her own business and an angel showed up in her life and forever changed it. In order, I think, to, for us to fully comprehend what must have been going through Mary's mind at this moment, it has, in order for us to comprehend that, it's important for us to realize 
that, that the anticipation of the Messiah's arrival was a daily hope of this persecuted nation of Israel. They woke up every day waiting for their hope of Messiah to come and give them that relief. Roman dominion of the day had paved a way for the people to look longingly for a redeemer to come. While their concept of his arrival and their concept of his ministry was certainly skewed, their hunger for his coming was as real as the breath we're breathing today. Mary, no less than any other faithful Hebrew, longed to see her Messiah's arrival. However, in her wildest dreams, she never could have placed herself in this scenario and imagined that she would be the one bringing this child into the earth. So while this high honor was just that, there were also other considerations to make. Mary immediately realized that to carry a child at this point in her life was going to raise questions that were impossible to answer. And that's the truth. That is the absolute truth. After all, no one was there to hear the angel when the angel told her all about this divine thing that was gonna take place in her womb. Mary had guarded her purity all the days of her life. And then she asked in Luke 1.34, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? Gabriel's answer through the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 7 and 14, it was staggering information. In verse number 35, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called, he shall be, shall be called the Son of God. This proclamation brought uh, with it a host of immediate but also intrusive life changes. Amen. When we, when we lay the spiritual significance of this story aside, Mary was about to experience many things. Among the thousands of young ladies in the nation, God had selected Mary to both bear the Messiah and then accompany along with that the reproach of premarital pregnancy. We don't even know uh, what, what this brought on her in her daily life. The stares, the comments, we have no idea, but you see, God had his hand on her life and he was gonna take care of that. One characteristic she really and readily manifests was her submission to the will of God. Even through difficult circumstances, she submitted herself to the will of God. Of all of the things that could be underscored in this message this morning, I believe one trait that seems to take preeminence over them all is that Mary was is Mary's response to this grand announcement. It must have, to put it in our language, blown her mind. It gave birth to far more questions than answers, but she said, nevertheless, in Luke 1 and 38, I quoted it just a moment ago, but amen, but the handmaid said, be it unto me according to thy word, and the angel departed from her. She had been left with a lot of questions and not many answers, but she said, but be it unto me according to thy word. No conditions, she attached no conditions to her response. Mary was not only the example of submission to be found in the scriptures, without a doubt, if we're gonna follow the plan of God for our lives, then we are going to have to submit to him 100%. Mary has certainly given us a tremendous pattern to follow. May I think each of us reach that place in our character and in our walk with God where we can just say yes 
to the Lord. Amen. We sing that song, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. But it has to become more than a song to us at some point to say whatever it will, that you will in my life, that's what I'll do. Servanthood also is a practice that runs contrary to human nature. We often fully support, are fully supportive of projects, for instance, that cost nothing. I mean, the word free, that'll grab you every time. Buy one, get one free. It don't even matter what the one cost. <laughs> because we heard the word free and it just skewed the lens of everything else. Buy one, get one free. Many years ago when my wife and I had not been married very long, there was a, a, a little business that opened up in Central Florida and it was named the Goody Barn. And in the Goody Barn, the Goody Barn, when it opened in, in its original days, uh, they would buy out businesses, for instance, that had been maybe had some smoke damage, the business caught on fire, and, and I don't mean things were charred, but uh, they, the things that could be salvaged, that would all have smoke and, and smut and things like that on it. And uh, you could just really get some good deals. Now, you were going to need a bath when you left there. Because it had all kinds, of, but you could just get some deals. They just marked it down to nothing just to move it. And so it was a big deal to go to the Goody Barn. Well, as the Goody Barn began to get more and more clientele, uh, they kind of got away from their roots and they, they started trying to then sell all kinds of stuff. And so you could get men's dress shirts like 70% off. They just failed to mention to you that they had already upped the price by three or four times. We like things that don't cost much. We gladly invest in a cause that doesn't disrupt our plans, doesn't call for a lot of personal commitment. Sign me up if it's not gonna cost much. Sign me up if it won't put me out very much. But Mary never asked any questions. She never asked how long, how much. We're talking about the price and the promise of true submission. Amen, I pray that God would help us to look at Mary, that throughout her life, she demonstrated such a beautiful spirit of someone who had completely rendered her life to the service of the Lord. Often, it came at a very deep and a very personal cost. As with most mothers, Mary was extremely influential throughout the formative years of Jesus' life. While he most certainly and without a doubt was God manifest in the flesh, we still yet have Luke 2 and 52 that states that Jesus, in, he grew, increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, I think that we have to understand something here that if a person is going to increase in wisdom and stature, stature, nature will take care of that, but not always will nature take care of wisdom. And how that he would grow in favor with God, that's kind of him between him and God, but favor with man, that's gonna take some influence as well. And so I believe that this mother Mary was cultivating and nurturing and touching him and, and, and developing him into a godly man. He increased in wisdom. I believe that was because of his mother's investment and those around him, amen. So we have to understand that wasn't a random occurrence. You're not gonna get wise randomly, but you have to do that intentionally. But through her teaching and through her lifestyle, she demonstrated devotion to the things of God. And as Jesus entered adulthood, 
Several events ushered him toward public ministry. He was baptized of John. He faced temptation in the wilderness. He called his first disciples. The next recorded event was the very first miracle at the marriage supper of Cana of Galilee. It's almost as though that the mother in Mary sensed the timing in the life of Jesus. Is that a fair statement? Because Mary seemed to sense that this is a this is a great time. Now, I don't think she was self-promoting or promoting uh, Jesus by way of just promoting herself, but her heartbeat, she sensed that this was time. She explained the situation of the wine uh, running out at the, at the, at the wedding, and uh, he just said to her, my time has not yet come. It almost appears from scripture that she just ignored that statement and just turned and instructed the, the servants and said, whatsoever he says to you to do, do it. Amen. There was something in Mary that saw in this Messiah. I'm, I'm, I'm right here, and I, I want to point out today that, that Mary wasn't just used to give birth to Jesus, but she was there all along. She was right at his side. I mean, she did not attempt to do something she could not do, but at the same time, she didn't shirk any responsibilities from doing what she could do. <clears throat> when Jesus was eight days old, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to be circumcised in keeping, of course, with the, with the teachings of the Jewish law. Upon arriving there, they were met by two righteous elders, Simeon and Anna. They both, Simeon and Anna, recognized Jesus for who he was. They saw something in the life of this child. Eight days old, they saw something in him. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and prophesied over him concerning his life and ministry. Eight days old. I just want to underline that in your heart. While Mary and Joseph marveled at what they spoke, Simeon turned his eyes to Mary and uttered words that must have puzzled her for years to come. Here he is, just an eight-day-old infant, and Simeon says in Luke 2 and 35, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He's eight days old. They're still celebrating a newborn child in their arms. I mean, this is all about good things right now. And Simeon prophetically looked at Mary and said, a sword is gonna pierce through your own soul. That didn't make sense right then, amen, but it would take 33 years plus in order for that to make sense. But when Jesus was pierced on Mount Calvary, hear me today, and every mother in this house would agree that when her son was pierced, she was pierced as well. And maybe at that moment it made sense what Simeon was saying when he was just eight days old, your soul is going to be pierced. But you know what? Even though he was only eight days old and a prophecy was coming blanketed in that your soul is going to be pierced, he said, I'm going to stay faithful and submitted to the promise that God has made in my life and that I made to him. Hallelujah. Amen. What greater pain could she have experienced than this? From a selfish perspective, it would have been easier to run away from this awful scene. But instead, we know that Mary did not run away from Calvary's cross. We know that she did not run away from the horror of watching her own son die because in John 19 and 25, the Bible says, now, stood, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. All the way, all the way. I'll be with you all the way. 
Amen. She, she followed him. She was there at age 12 in the temple. She was there for every detail of his life. Mary involved herself even at the, the closing of his life, following the tragic death. She involved herself in the temporary interment of his body. When Joseph of Arimathea placed the Lord's body in his own tomb, Mary followed and she sat outside of the tomb. Am I still in the word now? Maybe she was just remembering the words of John 2.19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. Unshakable faith, that's what Mary had, unshakable faith. After three days and three nights, the morning of his resurrection found her once again at the tomb coming to anoint the body of Jesus. And so here's what we should take away from this today. We should never let what we cannot do prevent us from what we can do. We should never allow what we cannot do to prevent us from what we can do. So Mary could not resurrect the body. As a matter of fact, Mary could not even roll away the stone, but she could bring an offering of spices. She did what she could do. She could remain faithful to her task. She could keep believing when everybody else had thrown up their hands and surrender. Mary was submitted to the will of God. Now I'll say this in closing. God has, all, has always desired a close communion with his creation. But only under the conditions of the new covenant could God secure full and complete closeness. When grace swept in a new age of dealing with mankind, God began to fill his people with his spirit. And you know what? Mary was highly favored of God. That's what the scripture says of her. A chosen and selected vessel. But she was still human. And she still needed a savior. Amen? Now she had had a divine role. And I would think if anybody got a free pass, Mary should get a free pass, but no, no, no. She needed a savior for her soul just like anybody else. It was the plan of the Lord for Mary to be saved just like every other person on the planet. And so at the ascension, Jesus gave these instructions to his followers. Let's look at this in, in Acts chapter one and verse number four. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Mary was included. Mary was included. It was the will of God to dwell in her via the power of the Holy Ghost. And you know what? Mary was still willing to receive more. In order for Mary to receive the greatest gift she would ever know, she would have to exercise faith again, obedience again, submission again, just like everybody else. She had to believe that indeed the Spirit was going to fall on those that tarried in Jerusalem. We have proof that she believed that because in Acts 1 and 14, the Bible says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was standing right there. Amen.
So Mary has this incredible angelic visitation. And she says, be it unto me as you have said. And she started walking with the Lord. And some of that walk was very, very difficult. Some of that walk was horribly bloody. Much of it was incredibly painful, even for her to watch her son. But the price and the promise of submission is ours today. I want us to stand if we can. I would never tell you that submission doesn't come with a price. It certainly does. But it's unfair to only think that submission comes with a price and not acknowledge that submission also comes with a promise. Great promises. Today we are recipients of that promise. And so if we will follow him and seek after him and walk with him, then I will promise you today when we submit and yield ourselves to him in absolute completeness and wholeness, there will be a price to pay. But there were so many promises along the way until Mary just kept signing up for more and more and more and more. We used to sing an old song when I was growing up, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Amen. The promises of the Lord, they're ours. They come to us through the vehicle of submission. So I ask you today, what is it that the Lord is asking you to do? And whatever that is, if you will say yes to that, and if you will get your mind off of the price and get your mind on the promise, then I'll promise you the promises will so far exceed the price. Amen. You find anybody, anybody, anywhere that has served God for any length of time at all, they've been through a few things. They've paid some prices along the way. But if you sit down with them and talk to them, they're gonna talk to you a whole lot more about the promises of the Lord than the price of the Lord. Amen. It's a worthy price. I wonder if you'd lift your hands with me today and let's thank the Lord for the power of the Holy Ghost today, the power of His Spirit that we've been able to feel in this house. What a privilege to know Him. What a privilege to serve Him. Let's magnify the Lord together in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.